Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. scream out hallelujah because Jesus has changed our lives and if Jesus has changed your lives you know it I know it we all know it how can we not talk about Jesus man if he has come into your life and he has transformed you if he has freed you from from your past if he has he has allowed you to 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 walk in his grace and his mercy you are truly changed and if we are truly changed by Jesus man we can't keep quiet about it can we Jesus is the most wonderful thing that I can talk about. You get me talking about a lot of things, it's just kind of like whatever. But man, when we turn the conversation to Jesus, I can't help but to talk about my Jesus. He's my Jesus. He's your Jesus. It's what we get excited about. It's why we have hope. It's why we have anticipation every single day. We can talk about our Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your gift of Jesus. Thank you so much that you did love us so much that you gave your only begotten son to this world who trampled on him and crucified him not knowing but Lord God that was all part of your plan because the atoning work on the cross the blood that was shed on the cross brings forgiveness to each one of us and reconciliation with you Father so today we glorify Jesus we get excited about Jesus we lift high the name of Jesus Jesus accept this worship in spirit and in truth, Lord God. Our conversation may be, a, be a glorifying to you. Help us. Help us to have the boldness in a world that is trying to crush us. Help us to have the boldness to talk about you, Jesus. Lord, let the conversations and the opportunities come abundantly within our lives. And I know, Lord God, when we ask for opportunity to talk about Jesus, Holy Spirit, you will move heaven and earth to cause those opportunities. So, Lord, give us the eyes to see those opportunities. Give us the wisdom to rely upon the Holy Spirit and give us the boldness to speak about our Jesus. Lord, the harvest, you said it, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is out there. We need to turn our eyes to the harvest. And we need to get to work to be about our Father's business, to be about kingdom business. Jesus, it is all about you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, that name that's above all names, that most wonderful, powerful, beautiful name, the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, give me a shout out. Give me an amen. Amen. Woo, you guys, you guys. Seated. What a great song that is. Boy, that'll get us moving on a morning like this, right? You guys were, were good and loud in worship. We're going to be good and loud all service, right? I love that help when you guys when you guys help me with feedback. It just helps me to know that you guys are awake and you guys are listening. Church is an important place to be awake in, wouldn't you agree? We're awake in church so we can be awake in this, in this life. Well, kids, I know there's kids headed to camp 
Um, Zana and Amy and, and another little girl that we're taking, they're actually headed to camp right now, and a lot of kids will be leaving either this morning or tomorrow morning. But if there's kids here today, we'll dismiss those, go downstairs. Um, we need to be praying for our kids, right? Let's continue to pray. Let's especially pray this week as they are at camp. They're away. There's no electronics. They don't allow iPads or, or phones or anything. Um, it just separates them and they can focus in on what they need to focus. Man, I'm praying that our, our little ones that, that are at camp this week, man, they have an amazing encounter with Jesus. I hope they come back and say, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. See, we got all these little evangelists. We've got, man, there's some, some youth in here that just totally have blown my mind in the last couple of weeks talking to them. And it's like, man, these, these young people, they get it. There's so many young people that, that we just dismiss because, you know, today's culture throws them away and feeds them all this garbage. But I'm telling you, there's glimmers of hope, and we have some of those glimmers of hope in this body. Amen? Let's run through a couple quick announcements. Next week, next week, immediately following the service, we got a baptism. We're going to be down at Spring Meadow Lake. You guys know where Spring Meadow Lake is? Okay, so this is important, and I'll, and I'll, I'll announce this next, next week as well. Don't go to the end of Spring Lake that has the Montana wild. You'll be on the wrong end of, of Spring Lake. So we've had that happen, and unless you want to walk over there, um, just go around so like you're going, like it's across from the, the country club. Um, so just pull in there. Um, we're kind of down by the beach usually. It just depends on how busy it is down there and where we can get in there. But, but please, if you're signed up to be baptized, awesome. That's amazing. If you're thinking about it, let the Holy Spirit just guide you in that. If you're not being baptized, if you're like, man, I'm good right now, uh, you need to come down and support these people that are being baptized. We're a church family. Baptism is about that outward expression of what's going on inside. So we come together, we baptize, but we're there to celebrate. Baptism is not done in the closet, right? Baptism is done in the public arena. So we need our church family down there. So please plan on attending that. We will just finish service. Um, I'll change because you don't want me in my swimsuit up here on a Sunday morning probably. If you're getting baptized, you can go ahead and come in your, your church attire and then, you know, take five minutes and, and change really quickly. Um, and then we'll all go down there and we'll, 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 we'll get baptized. Uh, ladies, if you're being baptized, just if what, no matter what you're wearing, just make sure you have a, like a dark t-shirt on. That's always a good idea. Um, guys, no Speedos. Just, just not, that's just part of my, that's not in the Bible or anything. But that's part of my theology is, is we're going to, you know, like some American flag speedo baptism. We're not, we're not going to do that. Um, so just come, um, bring a towel. Um, I, I wear sandals to walk out there too, but that's just, I'm just telling you kind of what I do, but that's kind of what you can expect. But again, even if you're not being baptized, please plan on being down there and attending it. Man, we're going to have a celebration. It's a great time. 
And then the other announcement, the other thing that's, that, that's going on right now, and then we'll get to another thing that's going on, but right now we have our July and August food drive. There's um, handouts uh, under the TV in the foyer. Kind of the things that we're looking for and stocking up on. Um, we're in the process of expanding our food pantry. Um, so we're also looking for some shelving. Um, that's all, we like the metal shelving. If you got a rickety old bookcase, that's like been sitting in your garage for seven years and it's got water and cobwebs all over it and you don't really want to put it in your house, then we probably don't really want to put it in our house either here. So there's, there's options and opportunities, but that's all on the sheet of paper out there. You can look at that. There's certain food items that we're looking for specifically and there's certain food items like green bean and corn that we're not looking for because we have an abundance of those but we're just trying to be smart we're trying to stock up so if you have questions about that there's all there's stuff out there that will will tell you a lot about that and then we have another outreach that we do each year that's starting and debbie's going to come up and give us a quick rundown of what's going on with that she's got notes she's got notes Uh, ask Carl. Carl, are we on? Now you're on. Well, I can't do There, now you're on. I know, they're gone. Not down there. Anyway, on the back table back there, we have backpacks. And if you feel so led, which, raise your hand if you feel led. <laughs> Everybody raise your hand. Uh, although I only have 29 backpacks, so first come, first serve. <laughs> um, anyway, school is going to be coming soon. I guess it's starting earlier this year than normal, like August, then last week of August. I don't know. I don't have kids in school. I have grandkids, but no kids. They better be out of school by now. <laughs> anyway, we're partnering with Salvation Army to help out um, families that need help, and the backpacks will need to be filled. We give the backpack, and you fill them up, and there's a list inside the backpack um, to tell you what school supplies need to be put in there. And we have kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And then there's a list for middle school, too. If your heart's more toward middle school, I'll be praying for you. No, not really. Where's our new family? That, <laughs> I was joking, yeah. Um, they, um, you just have to provide your own backpack and fill them up. And the lists are good for all the different schools, so Salvation Army will decide where they, the backpacks will go. Um, so grab one today. I'll meet you out there. I can talk you into three or four or five. <laughs> Not really. You guys are so, they're so funny today, aren't they? They're <laughs> not responding. Yeah. Good luck preaching today. No, there's lots of preaching today. Okay. Anyway, um, we need those backpacks back in two weeks because then we want to get them to Salvation Army and then they'll get them to the different schools that need help in doing that. And we appreciate your help in serving the Lord and our community this way.
Amen. So this is like the third or fourth year we're doing this. I don't... Fourth year? Four? Fourth year. So, and this year they actually, Salvation Army, called and asked us, hey, are you guys doing that again? Um, so you always know that your outreaches are effective when, when people are asking about them. And uh, this year, just like every other year, um, probably the most important thing, if you take a backpack, it's, it's important to fill it, right? Um, do your diligence, get all that in there. But it's vitally important that you write a letter, a handwritten letter, or put a card in there and write it to encourage these students. You'll know what grade level there are. So like, if that's why I choose like first or second grade because I, I that's my writing style right there is first and second grade writing. No, but you know who, what grade level, so you include that letter of encouragement. Um, you can even, you don't know who's getting it, but you can say, I, you know, I'm going to be praying for all students this year. And then in the years past, the Gideons give us the little orange Bibles to stick in there. And then there will also be a card that invites them to our Sunday morning and Wednesday night kids stuff here. Um, so that's important though. Don't just turn in a backpack without having that letter. It's the most fun part of the backpack. We can do that. Now, remember, there's only 29 backpacks, and they do go relatively fast. Um, but if you don't get a backpack, you could just hit up Walmart and grab a $10 backpack and, and still fill it out. We can, take, we can take more. We just don't want to take less. Amen? Our church is so good at this, and it does make a difference. All right. Um, giving. Give you guys the opportunity to give here. Four ways to give. You can give online, um, on your computer, on your phone, or you can go through our app, which works really great. Um, if you don't have any of that, you just want a text to give, you can do that to 84321. Always the popular giving boxes. There's Envelopes back there, you can designate your giving however you wish. Remember, there's a difference between tithes and offerings. We've, we've gone over that stuff. And, or you can mail it. We still get tithes that are, that are mailed in to us. So we give because we get to give. That's the big, it's so exciting. It's like, man, God, you have brought this blessing. You have brought this financial, um, these finances into my life. And, and I get to give you back and I get to give you 10%. Lord, I only have to give you 10% of a tithe, but I want to do more. So I do offerings and that it's just a great way of worship. And, and you know, in the Bible, it talks about God loves a cheerful giver until you actually give and, and give on a regular basis. You don't understand what being a cheerful giver is, but man, God does things in us where we are more than confident in him, right? Jesus is always more than enough. He's, he's not only abundant, he has beyond abundance, and he bestows that into our lives, and we get excited about giving. We also get excited about opening up the word, don't we? We get excited about learning about the word, and that's what we're about to step into. So let's pray, and we're going to get started. This, this message, this is an exciting one. And I know I say that every week because every week to me, when we open up and expand God's word, it is exciting. And there's some stuff in this one that's just, it's going to be challenging to some in here today. And I love that. It might be convicting today. Um, it could confirm some things. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to work on you and ask, ask you to do some things. I, I would ask you this, though, is to, to keep an open mind this morning. Keep your heart open. 
Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Can we agree that we'll do that this morning? Amen. We're going to be good at that. All right. Let's pray for the message, and then we'll just jump right into it. Father, again, once again, pray this every, every week. It's so good to be in your house. It's refreshing to be in your house with your church, your body, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And though it's summer, Lord God, and, and, and people have things to do, there's vacations and camps and, and we go in different directions, Lord. We are here today. Your body is here today. And we're here for one reason, and that is to worship you. Lift up the name of Jesus. Open up your word. Receive what the Holy Spirit has for each one of us. So, Lord God, help us to keep open mind, open heart, open ears, open eyes. Lord God, we don't want to run from you. We don't want to run from what you have for each one of us. So, Lord God, we lay ourselves down humbly and broken before you with an expectancy that you will do something. And, Lord, allow me to speak those things that you will have me to speak, Holy Spirit, and just... Guide these words, guide this message. If it's not of you, shut my mouth. But if it is of you, Lord God, let, let your words be heard. And, and like I said before, once again, I'm going to pray this like I do every Sunday because I truly believe that this happens. Lord God, let nobody leave here today. Let them not go into the parking lot. Let them not exit these doors the same way that they came in. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Do you guys believe that, 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 that you don't leave here the same way that you came in? If you say, no, I don't believe that, then you probably won't, especially in your mindset. But in reality, we can't leave here today the same way that we came in because we are, we are looking into the Word of God, and the Word of God does not return void. The Word of God does things. It changes things. We are enlightened. We are no longer ignorant in areas of our life. We can no longer hide things in, in different areas of our life. When we experience God's words together, when we have a time of response, when the altars are open at the end of service and we have that opportunity, even if you choose to fight against against the Holy Spirit. Man, you know that you're supposed to come out, but you fight against it. You are not going to leave the same, right? You're going to be changed. Sometimes it's a positive change, but sometimes it's a negative change. But understand that you will leave here today changed. Amen? Amen? Well, today we are going to continue with our series on Colossians. It's a short but incredibly powerful book. Are you enjoying it so far? I, I hope so. Are you, are you learning things about this book of the Bible that maybe you didn't know before? Maybe you didn't look at it like that before? Anybody there? I know I am. Most importantly, are you being challenged in your own faith during this series? Again, I don't know how you can sit in here and not somehow be challenged in your own faith. Now, I want you to remember that, that application is key here, right? Anytime you go into a service, no matter where, what church it is, no matter who is preaching, um, there better be Bible teaching, there better be um, opportunities to respond, and there better be application within your life. Again, you don't want any of this to return void. Anything in our life is useless until we start using it, right? 
It's useless. It's completely useless. I can give you everything that you need, but until you decide to employ that into your life, it is useless. And this is especially important when it comes to our faith. Now, I will admit that being a Bible scholar is great. We all know Bible scholars in our life. But being a Bible applier is much more essential to our walk and our relationship with Jesus and also our relationship with others. So let's take what we learned today and let's actually put it into employment in our life. Let's put it into action. Once again, I've been going through this every single Sunday. Remember Paul's main points. Why, why is Paul writing this, this book called Colossians, this letter? Well, number one, he's writing to convey this theology, this idea that Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. Remember, I've been saying that we need to take those those um, educational statements, right? This is what the book of Colossians is about. And we could leave it there, but we don't want to leave it there because we need to be making these foundational points paramount in our own life in a very personal way. And we do that by just rewording it and we make it personal. So we take those and, and we do this. Uh, number one, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in, in all things in my life. Number two, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Number three, Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. Are those things that you try to put into effect in your life on a daily basis? It's not a Sunday morning thing. It can't just be a Sunday morning thing. He's not the God of Sunday morning, right? Jesus isn't the Savior of Sunday morning. He's the Savior of, of all time. So we take these things and we make them personal and we employ these into our life. Now this morning, we will continue from where we left off last week. And that being said, if you missed last week or, or if you've missed any of these messages, you can find them on our app. That's the easiest way. Or you can go to Facebook or you can go to YouTube. We're out there. You can get to it. But I would, I would suggest that you keep up on it because it flows, right? We're, we, we can't just break it out and say, oh, I know everything because I went to one Sunday in this entire series. We need to keep up on those things, so I would invite you to do just that. Now, last time, last week, we dug into verses 15 through 18 of chapter 1. And, and if you're visiting here today, you're probably going, you're on part 7 of Colossians, and last week you were only in chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. I'm slow, okay? I'm a little slow. I like to slow things down. We like to dig in really deep, and we, we get exposed to a lot. So yes, you know, we're ne I'll, I'll say next week, part eight, we'll actually get chapter one next week. Maybe, probably, hopefully. Well, last week in, in, in verses 15 through 18, uh, we find Paul here testifying to the deity of Jesus Christ and his supremacy by making three main and important points. You remember the points last week? Number one, Jesus is the exact living image of the unseen God. Number two, all things were created and exist through Jesus. Number three, Jesus is the head of the body or what we call the church. That's what, that's what we found in those, those verses last week. Paul was, Paul was stating these things. Now today we're going to pick it up from there. And now we're going to be looking at the basis 
for Christ's supremacy. So Paul stated that, yes, in fact, this is, this is Jesus. He is, he is supreme. And now Paul kind of comes back and he said, well, well, let's look at the basis for that, that idea of Christ's supremacy. Before we jump in, we must understand that, that Paul here, in his writing, in this letter, and in his life, has assigned, has assigned exclusive supremacy to Jesus Christ. Exclusive supremacy. Because of this, there is no room for tolerance or inclusion of false gods or false idols. Paul's saying we cannot, we cannot be tolerant to this behavior. We cannot be inclusive of these false gods, these false idols. There is no place for a blending of philosophies or a coexistence of religious ideologies. Remember we talked about last week, we got to draw a line and take a firm stand here. Jesus is supreme. So Paul is declaring as well as proclaiming that Jesus and Jesus alone is the image of God. He is the Lord over all creation and he alone is the head of the church. We believe it, don't we? We get excited about that. There's no confusion here. There's not go to this guy for this and go to that guy for that and go to that guy for it. No, it's Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Verses 19 through 23 now show why this supremacy is affirmed. In your Bibles, if you are not already there, turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 19. Let's look at verse 19 together. This is out of the Amplified Bible. I love it for teaching purposes. It says this, For it pleased the Father... For all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, power, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. This is a pretty huge verse right here. This is a pretty enormous verse. See, if we were going through really quickly, we could skip over the the incredible points in this verse. First off, when we read a verse like this, we got to understand and we, we got to look at the wording here. I love how Paul says, for it pleased the Father. For it pleased the Father. See, this takes us back and it reminds us of when, when Jesus was walking this earth. If you want to flip back in your Bibles, flip back to, to Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13 through 17, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John John the Baptist, to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately when he came up from the water, And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Flip a few chapters forward. Let's go to Matthew 17. This is verses 1 through 5. And after six days... 
Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That's a big no-no. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am very pleased. Listen to Him. See, the Greek word used here for pleased means to approve and to take pleasure in. So Matthew shows us that the Father is pleased with the Son. And really now Paul is showing us why the Father is pleased with the Son. See, it pleases the Father, and the Father approves, and the Father takes pleasure because the fullness, the sum total of His essence, all His perfection, his power, his attributes dwell permanently in the Son, and that pleases the Father. Now, if you remember from last week, one of the false teachings that was being propagated in this church and why this letter was needed to, needing to be written was this, it was a reduction of the person of Jesus, Right, So the false prophets were coming in and, and what they were really doing is they were reducing the supremacy of Jesus. They were reducing who Jesus is. And we can think of it this way. The false teachers in the Colossian church pushed that I, this idea that, that there was actually a space between God and the world and there were many spirit beings that filled that space. And they taught that these go-betweens were who man had to communicate with when they were seeking God. Now, if you had a certain religious upbringing, this could sound familiar. And, and, and here is where it gets even more crazy. The false teachers most likely believed and taught that Jesus was actually one of these spiritual go-betweens, right? One of many but not unique or supreme because he was not sufficient for all the needs of man. And now we have created a religious system that has many gods or many saints or whatever you want to call them. Each one who has a specific purpose, but not an all-encompassing one. Paul here, though, Paul here is declaring that Jesus is not one of many but rather Jesus is the only one. You guys can say hallelujah. You can say amen to that. Because Jesus is the only one. He is the only mediator between the Father and man. He is it. He is the only one. See, we must guard ourselves from entertaining any thoughts that run contrary to this and there are a lot of thoughts both inside the church as well as outside the church that seek to bring this false teaching 
I've had people come to me and they have said, yeah, we attended here or we attended there. And I ask them, I point blank ask them, who is Jesus? Is, is Jesus needed to get to the Father? Is Jesus the only way to the Father? And they come back and they say, well, Jesus is one way. Well, isn't this the same false teaching that, that Paul is up against here? It's why he's writing this letter. So understand, Jesus is the one and only, the Son in whom the Father is pleased. So listen to Him. Listen to Him. Again, we take a, a hard and a solid and a rigid line right here. Well, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 20. Colossians 1.20. And, and through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to Himself, making peace with believers through the blood of His cross, through Him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is the point when we're reading. We get to this point and here's where we say, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See, now we see that it not only pleases the Father, that the fullness of His deity dwells in the Son, it also pleases the Father to reconcile all things to Himself through the Son. Think about that for just a second. That's pretty big. That's pretty deep. Now reconcile... Reconcile, that's a weird word, right? It was in one of our songs, right? It's like reconcile. And that's kind of, that's, I would put that as a Christianese word, right? We use reconcile within the church, but outside of the church, it's, it's left to accounting, right? Or have you reconciled your checkbook? Does anybody still have a checkbook? And do you reconcile it? Good for you guys. I don't. I don't. It's like, well, no, Jesus reconciles things. That's including my finances. No, that's bad stewardship right there. But reconcile, it is kind of a Christianese word. And, and really all it means to reconcile is to change or to exchange, right? Change or exchange. Change or exchange what? Well, any kind of separation of one thing from another by which the union or fellowship of the two was destroyed. Now, our union of fellowship was in fact destroyed with the Father way back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, if you want to read about it, by the choice of Adam and Eve to violate the trust of God. Really, in essence, we say that that was the original sin, right? And it was, but we could also really say what was going on is, is they violated the trust of the Father, and in so doing, whenever we violate the trust of the Father, we're sinning, right? And as a result, separation occurred. Separation occurred. Sin entered the world and separation with the Father occurred to the extent that even creation experienced this divorce. Look at Romans 8, 19-22. For even... The whole creation, all nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly because of some intentional 
fault on their part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in pain, pains of childbirth until now. And it is Christ alone that reconciliation occurs. See, it's literally about the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus. Only His blood had the power and only His blood was appropriate for reconciliation. Remember, a change or an exchange of something that, that, that there was separation. And, and, and through this sacrifice of the Father, sending His only begotten Son to this earth to die for us, and the sins that we commit, the ultimate reconciliation, the bringing back together, the separation of fellowship, that pleases the Father. That pleases the Father. So that means every time somebody comes to Jesus in reconciliation, the Father is well pleased. It's, it's enormous. It's, it's awesome. The cost of it is monumental. The, the Father approves of, He approves of it, and the Father takes pleasure in it. You ever think about that? The Father takes pleasure in reconciliation with those that are apart from Him. Sometimes we look at it quite differently, and, and, and God the Father is this kind of angry old man or this, or this dad that's always disappointed in us, and we come to Him, but, but He probably doesn't really have time for us, and that's all our messed up human thinking, because according to this, the Father takes pleasure in it. The Father approves of that reconciliation. That testifies to the love the Father has for His creation, for you and me. Wow. I mean, wow. It's hard to fathom. The Father delights in reconciliation despite the cost. How can we be, not be overwhelmed with this revelation? We should be completely overwhelmed. The Father is pleased in His Son and the sacrifice that brings fellowship back to Him. Now we must not get caught up here in all this and, and try to apply a universal standard here, right? This is important because that's where we get the false doctrine of universalism, that all will be saved in the end regardless. There's no choice in the matter. There's no nothing. It's just... It, not so much the, the blood of Jesus, it's the love of the Father that's going to bring everybody in ultimately at the end. That's universalism. That's a, that's, a, that's a false doctrine that is not in balance with Scripture. See, we must choose Jesus and accept Him as our Lord and Savior becoming born again. Free will dictates that we have a choice in our eternity and God respects that choice. God respects our choice. Paul now clarifies some things here starting in verse 21. And for us, this is important to understand 
personally. It's like this is now getting a little more personal, but it also gives us a better knowledge basis when sharing Christ with others. When we're going out there and we're, man, I want to talk about my Jesus. Gives us better understanding. Let's look at verse 21 and 22. And although you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now, whereas verse 20 presented a more general aspect of reconciliation and the atoning work of Christ. Now we see reconciliation in a much more personal aspect and, and how and, and why this reconciliation is necessary for each one of us. And maybe we should do just that this morning. Maybe we should make it personal this morning. So let's break it down in a personal way. And please don't dig your heels in here. The beauty and the love of the Father comes through Christ when we humbly open up ourselves to Him. So let the Holy Spirit get close to you right now. He wants to get close to you right here. And we can break it down like this. Although I was at one time estranged and alienated, Admittingly, I was even hostile-minded toward God. And though I was participating in evil and sinful things, despite all of that, Jesus, you have now reconciled me to the Father. Jesus, you died for me through your physical death. And by your physical blood, you now present me before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Furthermore, I am unworthy, but through Jesus my Savior, my life has been transformed. I am a new creation in Christ. Amen? Amen. Man, that's a prayer we should all be praying and, and Paul so perfectly puts it right here. And he does that because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, bringing components in there. The importance of the physical death that Jesus died. It wasn't a metaphorical death. It wasn't a death in the spiritual realm. It was a physical death. Jesus physically came to this earth. He physically walked this earth. He physically taught those around him. And he physically died and physically shed his blood for each one of us. That's the atoning that had to happen. There's power in that understanding and there's power in that revelation. For us, as well as the faithful believers in the Colossian church, we are reminded and we are strengthened in some powerful truths. Look, look at these, these truths. We're going to put them up here. We just kind of went through them, but we want to look at them. Number one, mankind is born into alienation and separation from the Father. True. People will argue with you. People that, are, that have a non-biblical worldview will tell you that no man is inherently good. 
Man's not inherently good. Mankind is born into alienation and separation from the Father. There is nothing good in that. Number two, man is inherently hostile toward God. Without Jesus, you're going to be hostile to God. Number three, mankind is destined on his own to participate and leave, live in sin. Can, can we see that playing out in this day and age? I, I sure can. Number four, Jesus is not only the one who can reconcile mankind, he does so willingly. Number five, Jesus really lived a physical life and died a physical death. That's important. Number six, through the forgiveness and by his blood, we are a new born again creation, holy and blameless beyond accusation. Look around the church. We got a lot of great people in here, right? We got a lot of like, man, that is a godly person right there. Boy, I want to hang out with them. They are a godly brother or sister in Christ. But please understand that there has never been, nor will there ever be, a Christian life apart from Jesus himself without blemish or misstep. Anybody in here live a Christian life where you have made no mistakes, you have never given in to temptation, you have never had a harsh word, you have never held offense or unforgiveness. Raise your hand. I want a man, I want to hang out with you all week. No? Nobody? We're going to do it. The Christian life is, is full of blemishes and missteps and miscalculations and things like that. However... Our Christian identification is with Christ in that it is His righteousness and His standing before God that has become ours. It's not us who stands before God. It's Christ's covering that stands before God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made Christ who knew no sin to judiciously be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. So here's the thing. As born-again Christians, we, we try to live an upright life, don't we? We try to live a righteous life following Jesus, living by his teachings, praying, asking for forgiveness. We are trying. We Every single day we are trying. And we rely upon the Holy Spirit to live that righteous life. We welcome the Holy Spirit into our life and we say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom and discernment and guide me today, Lord. Holy Spirit, you got to go before me because if I go before myself, I'm going to fail. We, we live this way, right? And this means that even when we do fall short, the blood of Christ is so complete that it encompasses even our lapses. That's how powerful the blood of God is. The blood of Jesus is that complete. We are literally sinners saved by the grace of God. There is no other mediator. There is nobody else standing in that gap. It is Christ alone standing in his supremacy. And now we are free from accusation and we are beyond reproach only because, only because we are in Christ. 
Wouldn't you agree that we should be living the most victorious life of anyone on this planet? Wouldn't you agree with that? So are we. Are we living in that abundance? Are we living in that victory? Are we living in that confidence? Now, not victorious in an arrogant or prideful way, right? We, we are around people that, that walk around prideful and, and arrogant. That's not the kind of victory that we live in, but, but rather in a Christ-confident way that actually draws people to Christ. That's how we are to be living. What an amazing life it is to live a life in and for Christ. See, this is what Paul is leading the faithful believers in and to. It's all about Jesus and his supremacy. Let's hit one more verse. We're going to end with verse 23. This is is a good one. Verse 23. And he will do this if you continue in the faith, well-grounded and steadfast, and not shifting away from the confident hope that is a result of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in, in all creation under heaven, and of which gospel I, Paul, was made a minister. Thank you, Lord, that you made Paul a minister of the true gospel. Thank you, Lord, that, that you have made me a minister of the true gospel. See, we read a verse like this, and we have to have a good understanding here because this is to serve as both encouragement, right? It should serve as encouragement, but it's also a diligent reminder to the Colossian faithful. Redemption or reconciled fellowship with the Father has been established through the blood of of the Son. We are to preserve. We are to continue in our faith in Christ. We are to be well grounded and steadfast, not leaving or shifting away or looking away or chasing after other things from the hope of the gospel, but instead we are to be clinging to it. Please listen closely. We don't just get saved. Pray the prayer and go on with our life. Amen. See, initially coming to and giving our life to Jesus opens the door to a, life, a lifelong journey or what we call a walk with Him. When we meet Jesus upon our surrender to Him, and, 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 and that is really where our relationship begins, our eternal relationship, right? We think of it as an eternal relationship. That's where all that begins. Now, Jesus never changes. Not in His deity, not in His character, not in His authority, not in His headship, not in His role as mediator and also not in His love that He has toward each one of us. The issue is, if we are not diligent in our desire and action to continue in the faith, being well-grounded and steadfast in the hope of Christ, actively pursuing a relationship with Him, though He never changes what we accept and rely upon Him to be in our life, that does change. Who is Jesus to you? 
It's a great question. See, Jesus will be who we long for Him to be in our life. Jesus will be who we want Him to be in our life. And that's called free will, right? If you desire Jesus to be your Savior, to be your Redeemer, to be your Lord, He will be that to an exceedingly abundant amount. And if you desire Jesus to be nothing at all, He loves you to do just that. It's the tragedy and the victory all wrapped up in one. It's, it's the beauty of free will. And it's the terrible part of free will. And it's just that free will. So the question becomes, who is Jesus to you? Who do you desire Jesus to be in your life. Remember, we're not digging our heels in today. We're not thinking about lunch. We're not going to different places. We're not thinking, oh, well, I hope so-and-so is really listening today. Because it's the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you right now. Worship team, will you guys, will you guys come up here? And even if you're at that point in your life where you desire Jesus to be nothing at all, you're denying Him. Maybe you had a relationship with Him in the past, but you don't want anything to do with Him now. And though He loves you enough to be just that in your life, through the Holy Spirit, He will still pursue you. Because He never truly gives up on us. So though we are denying Him, He doesn't deny us. Why? Because reconciliation pleases the Father. It also proves the Father that, that everything that the Father is is in the Son. It all works together. It's, it's, it's amazing. So remember, the Father is well pleased in the Son. And by way of the Son, wants to be well pleased in us. Man, the Father wants to be well pleased in you. What, what, what is it that causes Him to well, be well pleased in us? It's the blood of Jesus. It's being presented to Jesus or being presented to the Father by way of Jesus, the only mediator, right? We go to Jesus straight. We go to Jesus completely. Free will dictates, right? The righteousness of God says, says if he states a truth, if it's, if it's through his assertion, then he can't, he can't subvert that, right? His righteousness says he has to hold true to what he says. So by way of this, ultimately, free will dictates that each one of us has a choice. Doyle, will you bring the lights down? Each one of us this morning has a choice. I don't know. Once again, I don't know where you're at. I care where you're at, but I don't know. But I'm going to say this. This morning, there's not a lot of words that need to be spoken. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's a so-so relationship. Maybe it's a, an amazing relationship. The Father wants to be pleased in you by way of the Son. The Son is the only way to the Father. Let's take some time in here this morning. We're going to worship, man. This is such a powerful song. It's powerful two songs that we're going to sing. But we're going to open up the altar. We're going to invite people to come up and just bask in the the Lord. If you've never come to the altar just to worship God, come to the altar to worship God. The altar isn't the walk of shame. 
You don't just come to the altar because you've screwed up in your life. That's a great reason to come to the altar. But another great reason to come to the altar is just to gather with the brothers and sisters in the faith and worship our Lord and Savior to glorify them, hug on somebody to, to worship together, to pray with each other, to, to brag on God, to brag on the wonderful things that He has done, doing and that He will do. So an altar time in this church, in this building, is all about just getting close to God. Man, and He will meet whatever needs you have. Remember, you're not going to walk out of here the same way that you walked in. It is your choice right now how you're going to walk out. Is it going to be a positive effect or a not so positive effect? Let's make the right decision. Everybody stand up with me. We are going to pray. We are going to open up these altars. We are going to worship. We're going to sing at the top of our lungs because we are excited glorify our Lord and Savior, the one that is unique. He's uniquely qualified. He is sufficient and He is supreme in all things. And we get to worship Him right now. We get to learn about Him. We get to follow Him. And then we get to leave this building and talk about our Jesus. How amazing is that? I love, I love being a Christian. I love being a born-again Christian. The best thing I've ever done in my life. It's the most exciting adventure that I've ever been on. Father, Lord, thank you that you are pleased in the Son. Thank you that, that the sacrifice that you made to send your only begotten Son to die for each one of us, Lord, that reconciliation pleases us. So it was the end, not the means that pleased you, because, Lord, I believe it broke your heart to send your son, but it also broke your heart when, when we were ununified with you back in the garden. But now the son brings that reunification, that reconciliation. The change or exchange occurs because of the blood of Jesus, Lord. We will proclaim that. So this morning, as we come back to you in worship, Lord God, no matter where we are, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, speaking to each one of you, no matter where we are, we're going to get excited. We're going to worship. We're going to proclaim in our lives the power of Jesus. And we're going to proclaim in this community the hope of Jesus, the eternal hope for all. And only in Jesus can we experience hope. So Lord God, call us to you. Get us excited. Get us bold. Help us to have discernment and wisdom to apply it not only into our lives, but to the lives of others. Lord, the harvest is there. It is right. Lord God, you need to send your workers. You're calling us your workers to get into the field. Lord, we pray this in your mighty name. Your name is above all names. By your name and by your actions, the church was born and the church will endure until your second coming, until you rapture your church. Lord God, help us to be about your business. We pray all this in the name of Jesus and everyone shout it out. Amen. We're going to worship. Join me at the altar in worship. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.